Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. Hello, everybody. It's Lenny Murphy with another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to spend it with myself and my guest. And I always have a guest because I don't think you really want to just listen to me uh, bloviating for 30 or 45 minutes. And today, a guy that, man, five, six years ago, you were the center of everything. And then you went off and did all types of weird, cool stuff. And we're going to catch up on what that weird, cool stuff is. So Kyle Nell, welcome to the Green Book Podcast. Thanks, Lenny. Yeah, super excited to be here. Well, well good. And now catch <laughs> us up because I just yeah. gave kind of this amorphous, all right, who's this guy? What kind of weird, cool stuff he been doing? So tell us about the weird, cool stuff. Yeah, I don't even know where to where to where to end up. I probably the last time maybe I was on the radar was uh, I was running innovation at Lowe's Home Improvement in the U.S. and uh, then running innovation and started the Lowe's Innovation Labs. We built all kinds of fun and awesome stuff. We were early in VR, AR, mixed reality showrooms and stores, and they're still killing it over there. They're doing great stuff. Built that team up all over the world. It was really great. Um, we put 3D printers in space. We did all kinds of stuff. Built exosuits. We built all kinds of things. And basically, the idea was, could big traditional organizations do big, important things? And are those things not just to do them, but they're based on consumer behavior? If we could build anything that would solve real problems, like in a, not in a, like in a hokey way, but like in a real way, what could you do? If you weren't constrained by this is what my company does or doesn't do, what could you do? And, and we proved it out. We built a lot of stuff that had a lot of value and still continues to this day. So I left about five or six years ago, started a company that did both the consulting of these ideas that I had come up with, some things which I'm sure we'll talk about called strategic narrative and others, wrote a Harvard Press book and then left. And then we started a little company that did neuroadaptive virtual reality and consulting that was quickly acquired by Singularity University. And I was then kind of went through all these different phases, built that uh, neuroadaptive virtual reality company up, and then sold that to a much bigger VR training company called Tailspin. And then left Singularity about, gosh, three or four months ago. So yeah, it's been great now. But now what I'm doing is I'm going back to my roots, which is just building stuff and then helping companies. We just got back from a month in Europe doing some really cool work around the future of energy, using a lot of these same things. And then, yeah, just working with big companies and governments and then also building my own stuff. A lot in the AI space, spectrometry. Anyways, all kinds of different things. But it all comes back to what could we build? if uh, we weren't constrained by how we think about it. That is uh, very, very cool. So congratulations on the launch of the new company, uh, the new new consulting. Now, what you didn't mention, though, is that all of that was you started in market research. Oh, yeah. Uh, you went to uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. the, the Nielsen program. Yep. Yeah. So tell about, about that journey, because I've always just thought found it fascinating that you went from you know, research and then focus on innovation and funneled this really kind of entrepreneurial uh, or maybe intrapreneurial, maybe it's a better way to even think about your journey in creating really cool stuff. So talk about that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So I, my dad was in advertising, he was a creative. And so his best friend was a brand planner. 
And so I knew about what agencies called market research back in the 90s as brand planning. And I thought it was super cool. And I read some of those early, early books about brand planning. I thought it was really interesting to be able to like interconnect with how consumers and people actually live and then reverse back into the advertising part. And then even extracting at one level up, like building stuff that they actually are making things they actually care about. So uh, we did the, my wife and I did the whole thing. We went and worked in an NGO in Costa Rica. We're going to change the world. And what I realized is that pretty much every problem was created by humans. And pretty much every problem was also solved by humans. Not bad people, good people. They were just trying to do their thing, but the systems got in the way. So my young mind was like, well, if I can understand and unlock the ways that people make decisions and how individuals come together in groups to make decisions, then we can unlock the power of the world and get these big traditional organizations to do amazing things and we can have this world that we want. And so I went to Wisconsin, which was an amazing place. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So much I could say about that. And then wormed my way into working at Walmart because in my mind, Walmart was the biggest, gnarliest corporation ever. And I couldn't think of anything more antithetical to my hippy-dippy save the planet roots in Costa Rica than working at Walmart. You would not believe the emails I got from friends to really try out some of these ideas. And it was wonderful. I learned a ton at Walmart. Walmart was a great place. And then I got recruited to Lowe's, um, where I started out running something that's uniquely American called international marketing research, which is like you take the United States and then everything outside of the US is this amorphous international zone. And so I was brought in to kind of find out why our markets in Canada and Mexico weren't going very well. And I speak Spanish, obviously, and we went through all this stuff and it was just great. But as time went on, my reasoning for getting into research was because I wanted to understand to act and not just understand to understand. There's a, there's a beauty in understanding to understand, but I want to, wanted to take action. And so it naturally led to not just coming up with insights and sharing insights, but really saying, okay, well, here we can do this, this, and this. And you should, we should do this, this, and this. And very quickly, they started, I don't know why, they started letting me do those things. And I started to do them. And then I started to run with it. And I started to build it. And then we started to make it happen. And then they let me run the labs and then create a labs and then do all these things. And then I realized that the connection between understanding the consumer side to doing it is very small. It's not a big chasm if you don't look at it that way. And so that's what I've been working on for a long time. And then I had attempted to get a PhD in neuroscience, which is another story. And then the guy that was going to be my PhD advisor is this wonderful man named Thomas Ramsoy. We're dear friends. I ended up convincing him to, to quit his tenure teaching position and start a company called Neurons Inc., which is doing very, very well. I'm on the board of it now and where we automate all kinds of neuro research. So all of it, again, is all tied to like, okay, great, we can do all of this neuroscience research, but what are we going to use that knowledge for? Like, how is that going to benefit people and planet and pocketbooks, which are not bad? That's important. How do we do all those things together? And that's what I've been doing. And I doing the same thing. We were just talking before we started about farming. We live on a little bit of a 20 acres here in Texas and have a little ranch. It's applying the exact same principles. Like how do you learn in order to apply, in order to grow things and then share that with other people? It's literally the same thing. It's just applying it in mm. different ways. So a long, much longer uh, part of it than you probably wanted to hear, but it's really just applying the same tools. And I, and I would just say, just as if I could, if I could wax philosophical. When I research folks, I don't feel like realize the power that they have they're sitting on. They don't really understand how much 
knowledge and insight that really is actionable because they aren't connecting it. And if they understood a little bit more of what they could do and how they could connect it to making a positive change, I think it would change how they feel about what they do and what they could do. So it's just a really wonderful thing to be involved with is, is marketing research and research in general. I could not agree more. And I've missed your enthusiasm, my friend. Yeah, I look back at even my own career and yeah, I'm, I think like, like you, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to make stuff, yeah. right? And I've chosen to focus on doing that in the market research world. And that gives me a lens of even thinking about the projects that I've been engaged on as a supplier. Like we were helping to someone else make things that were really impactful in some cases. I mean, we uh, did really early work for Apatel Lucent on, God, this was in 2006, 2007, on what became 3G and 4G, right? And utterly transformative technologies. It's been a great way to to channel imagination and inspiration in so many ways. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Although I had not thought about the, you know, the, the farm life as far as, you know, the similarities. But as soon as you said it, it was like, hmm, yeah, that's right. So maybe we need to start some type of research training clinic on our farms, Kyle. Let's do it. So let's do it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> it's the same things. It's see creating. It's planting. It's understanding things. It's creating markets. It's it's, all, it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will uh, we'll bore our guests by going too far down that path, but um, no, it's another, uh, we, podcast, another podcast. Yes, or at the yeah. very least another conversation. <laughs> and and yes, Thomas is a great guy. Love great guy. Uh, uh, love Thomas and the work they've done at, at Neurons. Talk about singularity university as much as you can outside perspective is ooh, that's like the really cool think tank you know that's where kurzweil and all these guys are it's where they come up with the really weird stuff yeah and i know you also had training programs yes. as well so kind of tell us about that experience uh if working in that environment yeah it was awesome i met the singularity folks and peter uh peter primarily but then also ray and then the other folks that are around so peter diamandis and ray kurzweil started singularity university based on this book that ray kurzweil wrote called the singularity is near the idea being that people that were working on the far ends like not on the not on the crazy ends but on the the forefronts of their field were not getting together to talk and this was you know over a decade ago so like the the buddings of ai and genetic research and all of these things, no one would, there was not a convening place for all of these different disciplines to get together. There just wasn't. And so the idea being that these folks not only should, but they had to get together because we needed to, we needed to understand what was going to happen and then help each other get to a place that wasn't dystopian, but more of a utopian world. And then also at the same time, bring in governments, heads of state and ministers, and then also to executives that we're actually going to use this stuff and bring everyone together so that we can learn these things. And so I attended one of these early programs at when I was at Lowe's and I just thought, Oh my goodness, these are my people. Like this is exactly what I was looking for. This was really early days. We were living in Atlanta at the time. And I uh, called my wife after the words. And I'm like, uh, honey, I think we're moving to California, which is like completely outside of the realm <laughs> of what I ever thought I would do. And then I also convinced my boss who was the CIO at Lowe's at the time that we should set up a little lab at Singularity University, which is at NASA Ames, to set up shop there, which we did. And it was just a wonderful place to kind of be at the epicenter of all the things that were going on. And that's really what it was. It was the beginnings of everything. And what was so cool, it was we weren't just talking about it. It was surrounded by these people that were building it. And so the partnership with Made in Space, where we put a 3D printer in space and 
all these other things came about because literally I was bumping into people at NASA, at Ames that were doing these kind of things. It was just like a magical, magical time. And so what SU does very well is teach people what's going on. So the things that people think are in the future, much of which has already been going on for five years, 10 years. It's like ChatGPT, like no one that was working in anything even resembling AI was shocked when, when OpenAI opened up. It was just really good marketing that everyone got to try it, right? And in much the same way, there's many more crazy things that are out there. Um, if people only knew that was a thing, they could. what would they do differently? And so that's the mission of SU, and SU does a really, really good job of that. And when they acquired us, the goal was to bring in this capability around strategic narrative, which is how do you create real stories that affect change, which is what my uh, the book is about, and then what I've been teaching other places, like I didn't see that in other places. But then also to like the next step in, which SU hadn't done, which is to actually build stuff. And so SU had been good at convening people who build stuff, but to actually build stuff ourselves. And so that was the buddings of the Singularity Labs, which is what I was the president of for a long time, where we actually built stuff. And so this neuroadaptive virtual reality learning, which we eventually sold to Tailspin, was a part of that. So yeah, SU, really great place. Still, still check them out. Um, blow your mind. Spend a week out in California. You'll, you'll be different in a good way. But I'm definitely like you, Lenny. I'm a builder. I just, I can't help myself. You know, writers write and builders build. Like I can't, I just have to be constantly building things. And that's where the mode I'm in now, which has just been so wonderful. SU was a great time. We were, gosh, was there for what, six years? Still friends. They were wonderful. I'm actually going back to speak at a Peter Diamandis conference where I'm going to give the intro to exponentials talk in two weeks. But um, I just so nice to be back in the saddle of like anything is possible and I can build whatever I want. And it's just a really, it's just really, really, really fun to be doing that again. That's very cool and very inspiring. So you're back into you know, the, the world of being a solo entrepreneur, right? And, and driving things. Not solo. Not, um, not but solo. There's a, there's a larger team. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not solo. I, it was, it wasn't even solo for even like a week. Uh, but yeah, we're, I, I can only do so much. I'm kind of a hack. Um, I can do a lot of things terribly, but um, <laughs> having some people that can do a couple of things really well is very important. Okay. So what are you working on now? So what what, what are you going to build now, my friend? What have you set all that energy on? Yeah, there's a couple of things. The really big thing I can't talk about because I'm literally uh, contractually not allowed to talk about, but it's very exciting is all I can say. The things that I'm building that are fun on the side, um, which are also big is automating things that aren't automatable right now, specifically focused around market research and also to automating that whole front end. So a lot of the things that happen right now that seem really hard, you have to have huge teams of people. If you're not Wrigley or Mars, or if you're not Nestle, or if you're not PNG, you don't really have the manpower or the know-how in order to create segmentations and do all these things. My mom has a gourmet cookie company. She has 50 employees. She's in Atlanta. They're doing great, but she doesn't have a market, a huge marketing department to be able to do those kind of things. But yet, even now you need those kind of things. So how could you automate that and use real practical artificial intelligence to do that? And so that's launching in the next two weeks where it goes end to end. You just input your website, the things you're doing, and then it goes everywhere from creating segmentation during different strategies and explaining what those things are. And then it goes and creates uh, an SEM and an SEO strategy and tells you what those keywords are, finds out who your competitors are. Then it goes and creates the ads for you that would go on TikTok and on Facebook and on Instagram. It even places those ads for you. And then it has a dynamic pricing feature where it sets what your competitors are and it will dynamically change the pricing 
based on the parameters that you set. So you basically have an end-to-end market research marketing solution across the board that runs as a SaaS. And the reason for doing that, again, is to get more success and more companies because the world is run by small to medium-sized companies. And the more we can get access, we can level the playing field so that the best stuff rises to the top. And there are some really cool things out there that I think if they got access to what we do and understood what we did a little bit more, they could have even more of an impact. And that, that's, that's the goal there. So yeah, that's coming out pretty soon. I'm super excited about that. And uh, yeah, it could be a really, really fun thing. That's been waiting to see something like that. So, you know, we've seen obviously a lot of growth in uh, on the marketing side, which uh, check out sparky.ai. It's a buddy mm. of mine out of Atlanta, uh, Ted Tagalakis. So shout out to Ted. Similar from a marketing perspective, right? Automating a lot of the, the, the marketing production uh, piece. And we've seen a lot of the automation on data collection and research. We're, we're seeing more of that now that's AI-driven, especially more qualitative uh, in nature. Of course, the work that, that Thomas does yeah. with the visual intensity and all of that. But we've yet to see something that really connects that in an end-to-end solution. So uh, I'm all for it if that's uh, that's where you're going. It's, it's time. That's what it'll do. Give me two weeks. It'll be done. (laughs) And that's an amazing thing too, right? Is the, uh, I actually was just talking to somebody about that earlier this morning. Look, a year ago, you would have allocate, you know, a million dollars and 50 people to be able to build something. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're talking, you know, two weeks, five people at max and you know, let's, let's call it $20,000, right. To get an MVP in place for virtually any type of product. So, I would challenge all of our listeners as well to think about that, right? These, yeah, if you if you have this creative spark, and and I think as as Kyle, you would probably back me up on this. You have this idea, and you think, can I do this? The production component of that, the nuts and bolts, heavy lift of taking something from concept to an executable product, uh, is far, far, far easier now than it's ever been in history. Though, amen. Amen. There is literally no barrier to executing on any idea now other than your attention span and ability to focus. Like literally, you don't even need 20 grand. You can learn all these skills yourself. And a lot of things you can build like using no code based stuff or and GitHub if you need a little extra oomph to fix things in a technical space. Like literally, you can build whatever you want. Like if people aren't using Bubble at work right now, and no matter where you're working, then I don't know what you're doing. Because you can like build proof of concepts of things in real time. And it only takes a matter of hours to throw it together and to show that the thing works. I mean, there's all, you know, all of this stuff about creating really rough prototypes and getting out to people. You can create really good prototypes and get it out to people in a weekend. We're in a, an amazing place, an amazing place. And everyone that I talk to, not everyone, but a lot of companies are just still in the, let's like kind of wait and see what's yeah. going on. There's no more waiting and seeing. You got to go jump in with both feet, in my view, because everyone else on the outside that isn't a big company is going in with both feet and they're going to win just because they're going for it. So yeah, I agree. Just, just, just jump in. Learn. Jump in. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I was meeting with a client earlier this week and uh, of a couple hours about their, their strategy. And it's like, look, you, your peers are in the, in the market research industry. Many of them are, are waiting to see 
or only dipping their toe in the water with the easy stuff when it comes to AI, right? The back end automation and reporting and, and all of that is that that's it's it's huge and fantastic and that's great. But there is this influx of, and we've seen this before, and you see it in any category, of non-research companies looking and saying, wait, we could disrupt that. And it may not be good yet, right? I saw an example, for instance, of a, a fully automated qualitative at scale with AI moderation. Now, the moderation was not good. It hadn't been trained appropriately to moderate well, but that's that's a that's just a, a simple tech challenge to deal with that, right? It's it's coming and it did everything else really damn well. So so anyway, we could go off on a whole tangent. I totally agree. I totally agree. That yeah, I, just, there just used to be in, in research, I would say too, we've been trained, especially on the social science side, to be right and be as good to that 95% confidence interval as possible. And I think the world has shifted to, you got to be, it's still got to be right, but I'd rather have 80% today than 95% in six months or a year. And that's a, that's a mindset shift. Like you're saying, like a lot of folks are using research tools badly, but they're using them. It's like when SurveyMonkey came out and Qualtrics came out and everyone was so upset that the marketing department was running their own surveys. It's happening at scale right now in much, much different ways. And fast. Fast. So I always think of you as a bit of a futurist. I mean, I know you, you, you like tech. You've been an early adopter. Hell, not early adopter. You've been a maker. So my perception is that the pace of change is accelerating, right? If you kind of look at the, you know, Moore's Law and what used to take years is now taking months, literally, in many cases. So do, do you agree or is that just my old fogey? No, uh, no, perception? no. 100%, 100%, 100%, 100% I agree. It's the logarithmic curve is, is accelerating. So it is going faster. So there's two parts of it. One is, you know, if, if anyone feels like change is happening really fast, it is. But this is the slowest speed of change you'll experience in your life right now. <laughs> so if you think it's going crazy now think about that this is this is the good old days um <laughs> compared think about it this is like the quaint good old days i mean we're we're headed for some stuff good and bad probably the other side there's a beautiful side to it too which is not talked about a lot but peter and ray talk about this thing which i think is really wonderful call accelerating returns too so what happens is is because everything is accelerating they're all accelerating different ways, right? So AI is accelerating and this, all these things are accelerating. And what they do is they reinforce each other. So they actually go even faster because then AI enables genetic research and genetic research enables uh, computer vision research. And then they all self-reinforce and they all go faster together. So what that's creating are some unanticipated huge bumps in speed. So both, yes, we are accelerating, but it's not going to be smooth. It's going to be like these big jarring bumps in a good way, but also very jarring to businesses and to people. So again, it goes back to what you were saying before, Lenny, like just got to get, 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 get in the game. Like you got to put both feet in because you can't wait for a white paper to come out to be able to use this stuff anymore. Cause it's just happening so fast because of, cause it is the innovation is changing quick, quicker than it ever has. And it'll just continue and accelerating returns as well. Now, that said, and I, I agree with you, and especially the comment of good and bad, right? I mean, change, change change is change. And there's always a law of unintended consequences. There are, you know, we, we don't live in, in a silo. There's other systems impacted by all of this. And, you know, transformation is just not an easy thing. It is not. 
there's a reason why I live on a farm in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> the, you know, it's a little bit of like, yeah. just in case, you know, so, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but there's also the, the adoption curve. So there's the change curve and then there's the adoption curve. And let's talk about that for a minute, particularly your experience being on the brand side. You had a unique experience at Lowe's. And that was always why we wanted you at IAX, right? We, <laughs> we put you up on stage like, look, here's a big brand doing really cool stuff. And they're, they're moving fast and breaking things. But And making money. Yeah. And making money. Absolutely. I mean, yes, it wasn't just throwing stuff against the wall to see what stuck. It was you know targeted and you were, were actually doing things that gave you competitive advantage. Uh, so, so here's my hypothesis. Not my, my hypothesis, my what I believe to be true. And you tell me whether you agree and what we can do about it in many large brands that can fund innovation, the process, even just going through procurement to bring organizations in that can help do that, that change that's glacial. It can take months and months and months. And I've, I've had the privilege of working with some of the largest brands in the world in my, my gen two hat. And even within green book, I mean, oh my God, my first uh, my first engagement with P and G. It took me a year to get my invoice paid, <laughs> like literally. So, so what's how do you resolve that tension between this you know rapid innovation and change, but yet systems that, from a, a buyer perspective, right where the money really comes from to to create this ecosystem and, and make it actually run, can be so slow and glacial. Yeah, it is. It's a huge, horrible, terrible problem that destroys everything. So for me, I went back to my roots on the social science market research side, which is if everything is a story and the best way to convince someone to affect change, and this is demonstrable, we've uh, proven it out, but then there's all of the research that shows it. The best way to get someone to change their behavior is through telling a story. You can get someone to agree with you in the room the best way to do that is through bullets, like we're taught in our MBA program, but the best way to change their behavior is through storytelling. And there's a reason why all great leaders tell stories. They just do. Good leaders and bad leaders, but ones that affect change tell stories. And so understanding that, what I started to do, because I would run into the same things. Like people thought like, oh, Lowe's is just like this big, like utopian, wonderful thing where, you know, everyone's just always up for change. No, it's a hardware store. Like they, they, they did not, this not known for change. Like that's just not <laughs> how it was, right? You know, it's like the whole thing. It took you a decade to become an overnight success. And so for me, I, what I did was I, I applied the same thing that I was going to do to uh, find the problems and then to get people to solve those problems, whether it be like artificial intelligence or augmented reality, virtual reality. And I applied those to the people inside the company first. So if you go back to like a Carl Jung, like a Jungian persona or archetypical strategy, if you just look at the people you have to convince inside your organization first in order to make a change, usually it's the legal department, it's the procurement department. And we look at those people as being evil. They're not evil. Their job is to keep us from burning the whole thing down. Right, right. right? So when we come in talking about change and this and that, we set off alarms for them, rightfully so, and they're trying to put us out, right? Let's compartmentalize these folks. So what do they do? They put a lot of guardrails around us. They put a lot of things around us. They put up because we're dangerous. So if you flip the script and you say, okay, well, the person that is the caretaker archetype there, their job is to keep the organization going so it can serve all of the people that work there and all of the shareholders in the company. That's a beautiful thing. But us as the ones that are trying to affect change, 
We are trying to do the same thing, but through other means, because what we're seeing is that the barbarians on the other side of the river over there, and we have to get ready for what's coming. And so we're, we have the same goal, but the language is different. So adjusting your language and telling a story about it's risky not to take risk. And it's risky for us not to do this, because if we don't do this, this thing that you love and you're caretaking will probably not exist anymore. And when I would do that and apply those same things, it was amazing how different the vibe was and the behavior from those people that I looked at as my enemies. Like the head of legal was initially like my, my legal counterpart. He and I used to butt heads. Jason Sherwood and I became best friends afterwards. I could go into his office like, hey, man, so I've been playing with this idea of doing this autonomous robot that roams around the store. How would we make that happen? And, and he would come up with this stuff. And guess what? When we would present to the executive team, he would present the legal portion and I would just stand in the back. And guess what? They listened to their legal guy way more than they'd ever listened to me, creating all of these new structures of how we would do these things that had never been done before. Like, how do you put a fully autonomous robot in a store eight years ago? Like, no one had ever done that stuff before. So if we use these same principles that we use in order to get customers inside of our own companies, imagine what we could do and imagine how we could get effect change. And the best manifestation of that is how many pages does your MSA have, <laughs> right? When they, when they throw ours at Lowe's was 52 pages, right? It was the same one we gave to IBM is the same one we gave to a startup that will bankrupt a small firm, bankrupt them. They're done. And so why would we do that? The risk is wildly different. Why are we going to put a $10 million uh, insurance bounty on them? They're like two dudes in Saskatchewan. Why, why would we do that? So like changing the parameters of what we do in order to be great to work with is really important. So we went down from a 52-page to a two-page MSA. We changed all of the things based on that so that we would be the coolest and the best to work with. And then what that does is creates an environment because people talk. Like Lowe's is a great place to work with. And then they bring their friends over. That would be my thing. It's like, how, how long is your MSA? How many pages is your MSA? If it's more than five pages for a startup, you're not an easy company to work with. How, what are your payment terms? A quarterly payment schedule will destroy a startup that's trying to desperately pay for their expenses. So those kind of things that people don't think about because they don't feel the pain of that when you work inside of an organization, they get paid every two weeks. When you're running and starting a company, you're you're going inch by inch to try to make it work. Yep. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff, Kyle. All right. I want to be conscious of your time as well as time of the listeners, but there's uh, I want to geek out just a little bit with you uh, before we do that. So coolest thing that you have been involved with over your career, the thing that, that you're like, you know what, if nothing else ever happens, that was just I'm okay with that being my legacy. That was a cool thing that I was able to participate in. That's heavy. Hmm. Well, here's one that we haven't talked about yet. So what comes to mind are the usual things that I loved and were wonderful, but I don't know if I would say they were, but I'm really thinking about it, maybe not the coolest, like more of like the, uh, what goes in your obituary kind of stuff. I, yeah, stores in space, uh, all that stuff was amazing. Got to do zero G flights in NASA. All that stuff was great. It was amazing. And I loved every second of it building all those things. But right now I'm volunteering for my alma mater, my, my undergrad alma mater, BYU. And BYU does, has this BYU pathway program where they've democratized high level education to everyone. So if you're living in Sierra Leone, you pay a dollar a credit hour to go to BYU remotely. 
And what a number of us have been asked to do, and these are like serious private equity and incredible people and AI experts, all, I mean, these amazing people to come together to create jobs for people. You know, if you live, if you live in, uh, again, if you go back to like, you live in South Sudan, you can't just walk down the street and go to KPMG to get a job. It's, it's, you can be the best. It's just, you're in different circumstances. So how do we create jobs? And I would say, putting my dark skills to use in order to benefit people that will never know I existed and with other people that could be doing anything else with their time has been, and again, with no credit, has been so incredibly powerful and uplifting. I can't even tell you how cool that is uh, to be able to apply artificial intelligence and machine learning and all these other things into creating systems that benefit people all over the world. Um, has been really, really cool. And I think that of all the things I've worked on and I'm working on, yes, they're really cool and they make a lot of money, but that like, that feels like something that I, I really have really truly loved. And there's a lot of good uses for that stuff too, where you can take the skills, your market research skills, and you can apply them to a nonprofit in your town and you can have a major demonstrable impact instantly because the stuff that you do, you're taking for granted because you know how to do it. But to them, it's like you just discovered plutonium by accident. <laughs> and there's so much you can do with that. So that, that, would be my, that would be my takeaway. The thing I'm most excited about, the thing I think is the, the coolest is, is really using these skills uh, to benefit other things that, that you may not have thought, oh, that connects to that. That is very cool, Kyle. And that was, that was a very Kyle answer. So <laughs> I don't know uh, what you, that means. You, you, you did not disappoint. Uh, you just have this knack of, and you always have. And it's just <laughs> it's just part of your superpower of kind of combining the the geeky and and with the altruistic, uh, with kind of a higher a higher imperative. And I, I mean that purely as a compliment. Truly, Thanks, um, man. it's one Thanks, of the things man. that I've always appreciated about you. All right, so here's the kind of the ending question. What have we not talked about that you wanted to talk about? So take it. So I think the, the biggest thing is what we didn't talk about was what do I do today? So if I'm listening to this podcast right now and I'm working at X company, which is probably most folks, or working at an agency, like what could I do today other than just thinking, oh, yeah, there's some guy talking about how he did AI, blah, 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 right? Which is usually how these things go. But I don't know what is the next step. And so the next step is literally as simple as what is the strategic narrative of the place that I work at and asking the person next to you, what is the narrative? Like, what are we, what is the story of this place and where we're going? And if you, if the consensus is different, there's no story, there's no strategic narrative. And that is probably why things aren't working the way you wish they would is because you're on different pages. And if you can just start with, start from there, and if you can create or try to, instigate the creation of a strategic narrative and there's a way to do it and you can happy to share more about that but if you can have that you can do like literally anything the only thing that like a startup company has versus a large company has is their ability to think differently about the world in which they live and organize around it that's literally it and so if you could just do that one thing you'd be amazed at the power that unlocks and you guess what you might discover that where you're working is not a place you want to work at which is also cool too. And then to move on to a place where you do want to work at. So that's what I would do. It's, it's a, what do I do today? Very cool and sage advice. Now, uh, I assume that part of your, your new gig is helping folks understand what that, that narrative is. 
and uh, incubating things yourself mm -hmm. and seeing where that goes. So that will be fun and exciting. Since your product you're about to launch is a resource central product, are we going to see you back in? You're going to come to IEX in Austin? We're going to see. Yes, you, if you'll you know, have me, I would love it. At, uh, hell yeah, absolutely. I would love it. Yeah, uh, we we need to be rubbing elbows with the industry again, my friend. So I would absolutely love it. I would absolutely love it. I know my my team at Neurons too is all about it as well. So we, yeah, it would be great. I, I, sign me up. That'd be so fun. We'll uh, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. All right, where can people find you? LinkedIn for right now, we'll have, I'll have some websites up with the new tool that I'm talking about here in the next couple of weeks, but just reach out to me on LinkedIn or X. I'm getting better at saying X now instead of Twitter, but yeah, that's probably the best way. Yeah, it's still Twitter. I can't say X. It's uh, <laughs> although I'm, I'm more active on, on that platform now than I have been in many, many years. It's uh it's kind of fun again right now. So it's changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, look, wild west, but I like, that's my aspect of fun. I, I liked the early days were, you know, and that's kind of fun to have that again. Anyway. Oh, did you ever meet Elon in your time out in Silicon Valley? I haven't. No, no. Mm -mm. All right. So he was not, uh, he wasn't coming to singularity university and, uh, in regaling everybody with his Elon-ness. Huh? Yes. Yes. It, it, I would say Elon adjacent. <laughs> All right. Well, is it everything Elon adjacent nowadays? But. Well, especially especially uh, Peter Diamandis and X Prize because he's funded a, a series of prizes on the carbon space and other things. So, yeah. So we've been we've been around lots of cool things. All right. We we we're wrapping up, and then I just went off on a tangent, and we'll we'll go back <laughs> wrapping up. So, Kyle, really, thank you so much for uh, for catching us up. Congratulations on all of the the success, and we look forward to uh, having you back in the fold so to speak although i know you're going to be doing all types of other stuff that has nothing to do with research but but this has been great thank you so much any final thoughts no thanks so much lenny you're the best i really appreciate it well see guess you heard that you heard you you heard kyle just say i'm the best i'll take it man i'll take <laughs> true. it he is <laughs> i don't know about all that but it's a nice thing anybody has it's said to true. me so far today okay you know who's really the best our listeners Thank you. And our producer, Natalie, our editor, Big Bad Audio, our sponsors. Because without you, Kyle and I would not have had an excuse just to catch up. Uh, so really appreciate that. Hopefully you have found some value in that conversation as well. And uh, that's it for this edition of the Green Book Podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.